Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome to the presentation of Ethel Smith's annual account for 2012, where we launched our new strategy, but soon after ran into unforeseen difficulties in one of our four new divisions. However, for our group as a whole, when comparing with major competitors, it was not a bad year for Ethel Smith. Not a bad year at all. As usual, we start with the good news that we ended the year with a very strong finish, a record high revenue, and a very strong operating cash flow in the last quarter. But most importantly, we delivered on our guided promises as we achieved both the revenue of 25 billion kroner and the EBITDA margin of 10%. It is our top priority always to deliver on our promises also to investors as we've done now for 32 consecutive quarters. We enjoyed super profits in cement, unfortunately partly offset by losses in material handling. And we had a satisfactory order intake, despite some short-term weakness in the markets. Then we have, as indicated already last year, to prepare you that in 2013, it is expected to be the trough year in relation to EBITDA margins. And finally, due to the very strong cash flow and our decision to slow down acquisitions in the coming year, it's a pleasure to announce our planned cash distribution of 1 billion kroner, including share buyback. The financial developments in the fourth quarter showed increase both in the order intake and in the order backlog, and especially in the revenue, which hit a record high 8 billion in turnover in just one quarter. The EBITDA was slightly down due to material handling, and the EBIT was down due to purchase price allocations of 86 million kroner. It's very positive that we saw progress in the operating cash flow, 1.5 billion in only one quarter. And finally, the increase in employees of 8%, excluding acquisitions, is primarily from operation and maintenance contracts where they are paid monthly by our customers. The segment developments in the fourth quarter show for the revenue that minimal processing and customer services together account for two-thirds of our activities. And looking at the order intake, this is even increasing because here they account for 80% of the total activities. The financial developments for the year as a whole showed, like the year before, practically progress on all counts, except for the EBIT, which, as announced earlier, was down due to the R&D impairment loss of 188 million kroner. Order intake up by 15% compared to the year before, thereby 
our backlog up almost 10%, a strong start of the new year. Revenue increased by one-fifth, and we again increased our operational profit now to more than 2.5 billion kroner. Then our efforts within cash flow are really beginning to pay off with an increase of 50% compared to the year before, a cash flow from operations of 1.7 billion kroner. The emerging markets continue to account for two-thirds of all our activities and our revenue, and the BRIC countries alone, more than one-fifth. Split by geography, it's clear that we are represented in all the important markets in the world, and thanks to the acquisition of Ludovici in Australia last year, we can see that Australia is now overtaking Europe in size. The segment developments for the full year show the same pattern that mineral processing and customer services account for two-thirds of our revenue, and by result, they are even more important. But the most impressive contribution to our group results for 2012 are delivered by cement, twice as much as their percentage of the turnover. Some have argued that it should not be an advantage to have cement activities integrated into a minerals group. They have now been proven wrong. It's also very positive that our service activities account for, in total, 40% of all our business. In the revenue, it's 37% when we include the service part of the product companies. And it is even increasing in the order intake where it is above 40% for the service part. When we split the order intake by industry, it is clear that cement continues to be the biggest single industry with a bit more than one third. And we also see a continuing pattern of copper and gold being number two and three. Whereas the news is that coal is now growing in fourth place, thanks to the new products and customers coming in with Ludovici. And also in the announced, uh, latest announced orders, it is clear that copper and gold are very important industries for us. And with that, I will, as usual, turn over to our CFO, Ben Gordon. Thank you very much. And uh, I will, as usual, continue to talk a little bit about our order intake. <clears throat> and uh, if we look at the fourth quarter, which increased by four percentage points, that was driven mostly by the customer service division, the aftermarket business. And um, for the full year, we saw a 15% growth in uh, order intake compared to last year, to 2011. So the Q4 should be seen in light that uh, it would, especially in the material handling, it was taken in less orders. Um, partly because of the somewhat uh, softer market, but also because there is a focus on rather executing and fulfilling the projects where we have some uh, execution problems. Those uh, margins taken in, are, uh, which have been recorded, are with a higher margin than the previous uh, orders in the backlog for material handling. 
looking at the fourth quarter, we see that it was a total of 6.1 billion in uh, order intake, of which 4.2 was unannounced, and uh, a stable 2 billion has been announced orders. We have also identified now which portion is uh, operation and maintenance contracts, which are taking longer time to execute from three to seven years normally. The order backlog has, uh, from this, been built up with a nine percentage point compared to 2011. At present, it is a book-to-bill ratio 1.19, which uh, provides good visibility for 2013, as uh, we expect uh, the backlog, 56% of it, to convert to revenue during 2013. We should carry in mind that our business is developing when it comes to business mix, which means that a larger portion is flowing through the P&L over the year because of the customer service business, which has a slower, uh, shorter delivery time uh, on orders. So not necessarily all are seen in the backlog at the beginning of the year. We see the same also with uh, Ludovici, which were acquired, which is having a high portion of the aftermarket sale, which should be considered when we're looking at the order backlog in the beginning of 2013. Looking at the revenue, we had an, a record high fourth quarter 2012 of uh, 8 billion in turnover, and that is up 16% versus fourth quarter 2011. If we look at the organic part of the growth, and uh, also reported as with equal currencies, we see that the, the turnover of 21%, which was for the full year, will be 11%, which is the organic part in equal currencies. We see a pattern where we have an increase over the quarters, as we have seen in earlier years, and we see the same pattern also within EBITA. So with a record high turnover, we also saw that we are close to record high EBITA also at the end of 2012. It was four percentage points lower than Q4 2011, which were at a very high level for our group. We should um, later look at the one-off costs, which we call uh, costs uh, by non-recurring nature, which is also an element that we have to look into to consider the EBITA for 2012. But it's happy to notice that we are delivering both on top line as well as EBITA percentage, despite the challenges in material handling. Our cost ratio, SG&A ratio, was now the lowest in 10 quarters in a row. And um, if you look at this, uh, it was now at 11.4 percentage point compared to one year back, 13.4. And uh, these are partly due to a scale effect of the growth in our turnover, as we remember that the sales were up uh, for the fourth quarter, 16% this year compared to um, last year. Um, and uh, the SGNA were up 11%, so we had a scale effect here. Uh, we have had um, in the fourth quarter a charge of non-recurring uh, nature costs of 225 million. That is uh, accounting for close to one percentage point of EBITDA in percentage of sales. And um, 25 million of these have been recorded in the fourth quarter and uh, should uh, be um, seen 
in relationship to the cost level, which is absorbing these non-recurring costs by nature. Uh, the costs of uh, this nature has especially been carried by the customer service business and uh, our material processing business because those were the two divisions who made the acquisitions during 2012. So our cost efficiency program is taking effect. We see a record low uh, cost level now, 10 quarters in a row. And um, the cost efficiency program is uh, run um, through a special cost efficiency program director, which is a new global cost controller, which is focusing on the, the cost level. And um, in addition to this, we have uh, defined organizational changes in our group where we focus on clarity, responsibility, and follow-up, especially on local back-office costs around the world. And we have a number of issues that we are focusing on, especially to adapt our cost level to our business volume by making a global cost freeze in capacity so we can take out some of the scale effects from our growth. Um, due to uh, our improved, um, increased EBITDA and um, a successful uh, networking capital management program, we have uh, seen a cash flow in the fourth quarter of uh, 2012, which has been um, solid. Uh, taking in mind, uh, carrying in mind also that we did not do any acquisitions in the fourth quarter. In total, uh, we made um, uh, four acquisitions during the third quarter, uh, but the cash flow in the fourth quarter from investments were uh, relatively low due to no acquisitions. We have, um, in the operational part, we have uh, been focusing on uh, the down payment from customers as well as uh, collection of account receivables. So all in all, a strong cash flow, which has led to uh, improved networking capital percentage in our business, as well as an improved net interesting bearing, bearing debt. Looking closer at the networking capital, we have been intensifying the management program for networking capital. And uh, we see we have had an improvement from the third quarter where it peaked to with a 10.8 percentage point. And uh, in Q4, we are down to 6.6 percentage point, which is on par with one year back. And to, to making this uh, flattening out, uh, we are happy to observe, as we're carrying in mind that we also now in the fourth quarter 2012 also have included the acquired companies through the year with the Ludovici and the other acquisitions. These numbers do not include the Sembrit, as Sembrit is being reported as a discontinued operation held for sale. <coughs> Uh, some more elements regarding the networking capital program that we are running. First of all, this is uh, being pushed through the organization in a project organization, which is the same as we run for the cost efficiency program. And the ambition is to establish a sustainable networking capital management culture in our business, as well as a controlled development in networking capital also going forward. We have been focused on uh, elements like measuring and reporting to make sure we have uh, management intelligence for controlling the networking capital, combined with um, incentives for more than 200 of our top managers in the group, 
where they have got individual targets for the development in networking capital. So the networking capital program is showing effect, and um, uh, we are happy to combine that with looking at our efficiency within growth in top line as well as growth in profit. And seeing over the last years, we see that um, our revenue has uh, developed with a compound annual growth rate, the CAGR, from 2006 to 2012 of 14%, or adjusted for the acquisitions with 9 percentage point, which is a, a quite solid growth efficiency over the period. At the same time, we see that we have been delivering with a stable EBITDA, as mentioned by uh, Jürgen Hunner Rasmussen, in the several quarters in a row. Um, this, together, um, should be combined with an increased focus on capital efficiency. And that is given now pr top priority in 2013. And we have promised to the market that we, in um, 2013, will report on return on capital employed. ROCE. We define it uh, as a long-term target for our business to be above 20%. So that is the return expectation that we will aim for. We define return on capital employed as the EBITDA after non-recurring items, so quite prudent definition, and uh, it will be before tax. And uh, on the capital employed part, we include goodwill to see the totality of our business. And we calculate with, a, with an average method over the year. That is important, especially when we're looking at the return on capital, which we are reporting for 2012, because we are reporting 19% in return on capital employed for 2012, a percentage point lower than long-term targets. 2012 has been a year with a strong increase in the capital employed as we have made a number of acquisitions through the year. So by the end of the year, the capital employed was containing the acquired businesses. But at the beginning of the year, the opening balance, it was not there. That means the average capital employed was lower in 2012 than what it will be in 2013. So even we have decided to make a slowdown in acquisitions, we will still see an increase in capital employed from 2012 to 2013. That means that we, for 2013, we expect a return on capital employed decreasing to 15% before it starts picking up. And we are aiming for being back on the long-term target of about 20% in 2015. Our capital structure has improved uh, with the increased cash flow in the fourth quarter. And the net interest-bearing debt is uh, now, by the end of the year, 1.1 times the EBITDA. That is a comf comfortable level. The equity has uh, improved and is at 30% level. And these together, uh, combined with a solid cash flow, networking capital management program, and we did not do any acquisitions in Q4 2012, makes the management presenting now a plan that Ethel Smith will distribute 1 billion Danish kroner, and that will take place just after the annual General Assembly, the 5th of April. And it is split in two parts. The one part is uh, the dividend of 479 million, nine kroner per share, to be decided by the AGM at 
the meeting the 5th of April. In addition, we will make an extraordinary cash distribution in terms of a share buyback of 521 million. That is a plan to be decided finally just after the annual General Assembly. We cannot do it now because uh, we should be in a period where we're establishing the program according to what is called the safe harbor rules, which is uh, EU regulations, making us sure that over the period of the buyback we will be outside of any problems regarding insider trade. And with that, I think we should go back and look more to the market. Thank you. The market trends, they continue to be mixed. Generally, there is a considerable uh, macroeconomic uncertainty in the world. On the other hand, there have been lately positive indications. The U.S. is beginning to show growth again. In Europe, the central bank is supporting the euro. And in China, we have recently seen signals of an increase in the industrial production. Together, this means that although there's uncertainty and there will be fluctuations over the quarters, our customers are indicating that uh, any risk of a double dip or the world going into a new hole, that has been cancelled. And it is also supported by the fact that we see a satisfactory underlying demand for our products and services. However, there have been, over the last couple of years, an increase in the length of permitting processes for large products. We've also seen cost overruns for some of our customers on major products, and this can lead to delays and postponements um, of major products. Industry-wise, thermal coal prices continue to be low, but copper and gold continue to be high and therefore attractive for CapEx investments. Also lately, iron ore and metallurgical coal have been picking up again in prices, partly due to a rising demand for steel in China. In cement, there are many good local opportunities, and we believe the market has now been bottoming out in 2012. As usual, the medium to long-term prospects continue to be encouraging. Looking at our segments, customer services continue to grow and to deliver. The order intake almost doubling in the fourth quarter, and both for the quarter and for the year as a whole, both the order backlog and the revenue went up by more than one-third. Also, the operational profit grew to now almost one billion kroner. And we expect to see continuing growth in the coming year with a continuing satisfying margin now even on a higher revenue. As mentioned, almost doubling the order intake, and it's especially positive that Part of it is, as already mentioned, now large operational maintenance contracts in two consecutive quarters, indicating a new wave, as we saw two years ago. The revenue up by more than one-third, and with satisfying margins, and this is even in spite of the fact that customer services last year was suffering one-off costs, uh, among other things in connection with the acquisitions, 
and this related to approximately one percentage point in 2012. Material handling has a wide long-term potential in all our prioritized industries. But in 2012, it was our headache as reflected in the numbers. We have cautiously reduced the order intake, but been able to maintain a reasonable backlog of approximately 5 billion. We took a hit in the fourth quarter, booking risk for estimated costs to complete and restoring exhausted contingencies in our existing backlog. As mentioned, we cautiously reduced the order intake, but we also experienced a weaker short-term market outlook for the bulk materials. We have now focused on our improved operational excellence, and we believe that we have put the major problems behind us because we last year booked unbudgeted costs of 450 million in this division for realized costs, for provisions for expected future costs, and as mentioned, restoration of exhausted contingencies. And management has now undertaken all possible endeavors to ensure that all major product risks in the current backlog have been identified and accounted for in 2012. However, a number of large contracts will continue to run through the books for the next one to two years with zero contribution margin. And also, it should be mentioned that due to a temporarily low activity in the division due to our cautious order intake, it will lack operational gearing in the coming year, which is also reflected in our guidance. Mineral processing is exactly as customer services delivering both growth and results. Both the order intake and the backlog went up last year. The revenue went up by more than 40%, and it will continue to increase. We see growth also in the coming year, whereas the margin will come slightly down for the same reasons as in cement, and as also mentioned last year, the fact that there's a certain cyclicality here, and we will now in the coming year be executing on orders taken during the financial crisis. But the result for 2012, again, up almost one-fourth to an operational profit of one billion kroner. Stable order intake and a strong revenue growth to almost three and a half billion of turnover in just one quarter, the last. Cement is undoubtedly another star of 2012. Here our colleagues have been delivering impressive results, demonstrating what can be taken out of an existing backlog when you operate at complete operational excellence with flawless product execution.
We have been walking at the bottom of the market for the last year or so, and this is reflected in our order intake. But in spite of that, we have maintained a satisfying backlog of 7.5 billion. And here we see the impressive results up by more than 50%. And in the last quarter, cement delivered results with an EBIT margin of more than 20% in a pure product business. This is completely unheard of before, not just in the cement industry, but also in the minerals industries. The weak order intake, but solid order execution, reflects what we can't and what we can influence. And here we have the unusual situation that we will go from the all-time high results in the fourth quarter and then to the trough year for margins in 2013. Reason being that we in cement finished the last pre-crisis orders in the fourth quarter and we will now be executing purely on contracts taken during the financial crisis. But we now see that the market is turning, and this will improve both our revenue and our margins for 2014. The contracted cement kiln capacity in 2012 was at the lowest point for a whole decade. But as mentioned, the market has now turned. We see improvements in several areas, for instance, in the U.S., in Russia, Africa, several countries, both in Asia and in Latin America. And by the way, the data for this production of contracted kiln capacity are becoming increasingly uh, um, unsecure. We uh, can't get the sufficient data, and therefore we will discontinue um, disclosing these uh, numbers, and we will instead be tracking the market development in cement through our hot list and other customer information. The last alignment from our previous past as a conglomerate to today a focused company is the separate sales process, which is progressing according to plan. And we have plenty of time to ensure that we get exactly the right price for this market-leading position. The long-term future outlook continues exactly as this pipe conveyor to go upwards, an area where Eversmed is the undisputed market leader. And therefore, also our long-term financial targets are unchanged, except for the tax rate slightly increased because of the uh, geographical mix of our activities to countries where there is a slightly higher tax percentage. And then we've introduced, as mentioned by Ben Gurren, our new KPI, the growth return on our capital employed, where our target is to be above 20%. Short term, our guidance for the coming year shows continuing growth on the revenue, where, as mentioned, 
It will be the trough year of our margin due to the cyclicality in both cement and to a smaller extent in mineral processing as well, combined with the weakness in material handling that will take one to two years before we get satisfying results out of that again. We have decided to reduce our, to hold uh, back on acquisitions for the coming year, and therefore our total investments for the year are expected to be around 1 billion kroner, as compared to almost 4 billion the year before. The growth will come from all of our divisions, maybe except for material handling, and we are expecting a satisfying order intake and a very strong cash flow from operations. And then we'll be focusing on our new KPI, the ROS, which will temporarily drop this year to 15% for the reasons mentioned by Ben-Gurion, but then will grow linearly through 2014 to surpass our target of 20% in 2015. And the next quarterly accounts to be presented here will be by my successor, Thomas Schulz, as he, on 1st May, takes up the position as group CEO. With the ideal background to take Eiffel Smith further. Strong technological background from German mining technologies, one and a half decade of experience from international management, including China, but maybe most importantly, trained in Scandinavian management style, which will support our basic values, which are our strongest tool in the long-term competition. This is reducing equity risks through a combination of CSR, unorthodox innovation, and decentralized efficiency. And with that, we have come to the conclusions for today that we, despite losses in material handling, met our guidance and kept our promises, as we always do, that the guidance for 2013 show a continued growth, but the trough here in terms of margins. And then we have introduced, as promised, our new growth target and a share buyback program, listening to shareholders who do not want us to sit on any unnecessary cash. And this is all reflecting that while 2012 was characterized by transformation and expansion, the focus in the coming year will be on execution and on consolidation to which we are all fully committed. And with that, we'll be happy to take any questions. Should we hear on the phone? If you have a question, please press star, then one on your touchstone phone. If you wish to be removed from the queue, please press the hash key or the pound on. If you're using a speakerphone, you may need to pick up the handset first before pressing the numbers. Once again, if you have a question, please press star and then one on your touchstone phone. Alex Wright from JP Morgan is online with a question. 
Yeah, hi everybody, it's Alex White at JP Morgan. Um, I've got three questions, please. Firstly, um, how should we think about the quarterly run rate of integration costs and costs associated with the ERP project as we move through 2013? And if you could perhaps give some quantification um, as to the benefits that you're expecting to see from, from the cost efficiency program. Secondly, on materials handling, can you give us an indication of what percentage of the backlog in terms of value the 25 projects that are seeing cost overruns represent? And thirdly, on uh, cement, the, the U.S. cement emission standards that are due to come into effect in 2015, can you provide some color in terms of where you see the opportunities, which of your competitors have the capability and offering to undertake the work, what are the penalties for cement producers if they do not meet the requirements, just that type of thing, a little bit of color on, on what you're um, envisaging from, from those emission standards in the U.S., please. Thank you. Yes, uh, maybe I should uh, start as uh, you talk about the, the quarterly run rate regarding the integration costs. And uh, it is correct. We expect for 2013 to have uh, approximately 200 million in what we call uh, non-recurring costs, mostly related to two elements, and that is the integration or the implementation of new ERP solutions, which is quite linear over the quarters. And the other part is uh, the integration costs from acquisitions. And uh, most of the integration costs comes in a period of one to two years after the acquisitions. And as we are now making a slowdown since we made the, let's say, the last acquisitions so far uh, in the, the, the mid of uh, 2012, uh, it will be gradually reducing over the period in 2013. So um, the exact like calculations I haven't made, but uh, it should be quite easy to just put it up and uh, do the, the math from this. Uh, linear for the ERP costs, uh, gradually uh, reducing for the integration costs. And uh, the integration costs uh, will account for more than half of the 200 million that we are expecting. So that was um, the run rate on the quarters. Uh, the next, when it comes to the benefit from the cost efficiency program. And um, this is a program which uh, we will not see as a one-time initiative, but this is an ongoing focus on the cost efficiency in our group, as there are quite large opportunities in a group like our spread throughout the world, especially now uh, to take out synergies from the integration uh, of uh, new acquired companies, so um, in the beginning, we, um, we are aiming for um, uh, holding a, a freeze on uh, the cost level to take advantage of the scale effect over time. Uh, I will say that uh, the most sustainable part of this, that will be the scale effect that we will be controlling through the program. And we can uh, do some... Um, uh, some uh, uh, take some benefits from uh, the synergies of the acquisitions as we do the integration over the, the next year and two. And, uh, but percentage-wise, we do not guide on uh, the, the SGNA costs specifically. And uh, regarding material handling, uh, we have uh, approximately 10 major products uh, with problems, and uh, they will uh, be running to the P&L without any contribution. Uh, over the coming period. And in addition, we have a number of products with moderate uh, contribution, but I can't disclose the percentages uh, here. But regarding U.S., uh, the cement market, I can uh, clarify that the 
the NASAP regulations will come into force in September 2015. And uh, today there are only two plants in the U.S. that uh, are able to fulfill these demands, uh, built by Ethel Smith, by the way. Uh, the other plants will typically need about uh, one and a half year uh, to, to do the necessary uh, modifications. And we have prepared ourselves uh, well for this. We have all the necessary technologies uh, in-house to solve all the problems. We've been visiting practically all the plants with our mobile uh, laboratories, uh, measuring what is needed and clarifying that to the individual customers. So we expect that this will start uh, uh, running in the coming year. And uh, we see ourselves in a very strong position to take a considerable portion of this market uh, having a market share, which is difficult to measure, but say three quarters of uh, anything that happens in the uh, cement industry in, in the U.S. is probably a, a fair guess for our market share. And um, what is the potential? Uh, it depends on who you ask, uh, because the authorities say it's about uh, three to four hundred um, uh, million U.S., uh, and the cement producers say it's more like three to four billion uh, U.S. So there's a difference there, and the juice is probably somewhere in between. I hope that answers. Yeah, very helpful. Thank you very much. Last top home from Carnegie is online with a question. Uh, yes, uh, hello. A, a few questions. Uh, one is on your divisional guidance on the revenue side. If I add the uh, revenue guidance for the division, I get a range of 27 to 35 billion, but you guide 27 to 30. I just wonder uh, how the discrepancy occurs then. Uh, secondly, on, uh, on, on materials handling, the provisions you're making now, are they on the 10 projects or are they on the 10 plus 15 projects? And in general, can, can you elaborate a little bit on how uh, provisioning and reversal of provisioning has, has affected cement and materials handling in 2012, please? And uh, uh, F, uh, uh, sorry, uh, yes, yeah, those two questions, please. Yes, regarding the uh, backlog, uh, we, of course, uh, use a bottom-up budget for each of our divisions, and we add it all together. And then uh, our experience is that we need to be cautious uh, because uh, we can lose out uh, on an expected uh, uh, contract. Uh, we can lose out on a shipment that uh, is pushed from December to January. So there, there's a considerable uncertainty on the uh, turnover, and that's why we are cautious. But but uh, we have a, a comfortable bottom-up uh, um, budget uh, backing our guidance. Um, and it is correct, as you say, um, the, it, it spreads from about $27 uh, billion and, and considerably upwards. Regarding the uh, material handling, um, uh, yes, we have been uh, booking costs and estimated costs, uh, both on the uh, 10 uh, major products and, and the uh, other products as well. Uh, it is a result of an evaluation of the whole uh, product portfolio, uh, so it is uh, spread over. And uh, regarding uh, the uh, cement um, uh, products, uh, you are absolutely right that the uh, extraordinary results in the fourth quarter are a combination of uh, flawless execution, uh, but of course also the fact that 
we then close products and when you've executed them um, uh, efficiently, there will be remaining parts of the contingencies that then drop down to contribution, and that has happened in, in some cases as well. Uh, but as usual, when you ask the question, we don't disclose the actual number. Uh, okay. Um, if, if, if I just may, may follow up on Mathilde's handling, isn't it fair to say that after Q3, you also took some provisions and, and sort of gave the impression now you were really, you know, now, now you had cleaned up what you needed to, to clean up. What, what made you change your mind uh, uh, so, so you have to do it again? And what makes you sure we won't see the same situation after Q1? We, uh, of course, at any given time, uh, try uh, to the best of our abilities to evaluate the, the risks and we provide for it, uh, and that's what we've done now. And uh, yes, we have had uh, surprises uh, through the uh, quarters of 2012. We have uh, made a very thorough uh, investigation of all projects uh, over uh, the last couple of months, and we feel comfortable that we have taken all possible endeavors to close these holes. May I add to this? Because uh, after the third quarter, we have continued working on looking at the projects, and we came to the conclusion that uh, we find that the, the general not earmarked uh, provisions, which we call contingencies, for those, uh, let's say, problem projects, those contingencies, they were exhausted. So we decided in the fourth quarter to, to build up a normal um, uh, contingency on, on those projects for the remaining period of uh, those projects that we did in Q4. One final brief question, Jan. You mentioned uh, that, that when you commented on, on guidance that you saw a, a satisfying order in second 13. What does that mean? Is it up or down? Uh, can you add some flavor? It is satisfying in relation to our guidance uh, regarding the turnover. Uh, the the uh, guided uh, revenue, of course, uh, in the coming year is a combination of what we already have in the backlog, which is uh, visible for everyone. And then the bottom-up expectations in each of our sales units as to what they expect uh, to book and bill and get through the P&L for the coming year. And uh, so it's a combination of, of many contributions. And, of course, a considerable part of it will come from uh, customer services. We have uh, two divisions that are slightly uh, influenced by the cycles, but uh, we have a, a strong uh, continuing performance in customer services and uh, and we have no indications of a slowdown there. And that is, of course, something that uh, not necessarily goes through the uh, backlog. Uh, for instance, if, when we sell spare parts, it can be ordered on the Friday and, and shipped on the Monday. And there will get the full. Uh, sorry, but there will get the full year effect also. The Ludovici, for instance, which right. have a lot of the back, which is only in with a half a year for 2012. Uh, I just worry a little bit, maybe unduly, because you, you mentioned specifically that the medium and long-term outlook remains encouraging, and in previous years you have actually guided on order and say, and now you don't. Uh, what, what should I put into that? Uh, the fact that the uh, uh, general outlook is... Uh, um uh, uh, has some uncertainty, as I mentioned, uh, the macroeconomic uh, outlook, and therefore we can see considerable fluctuations over the quarters, but we are comfortable that uh, the year for a, a seed as a whole will provide uh, sufficient uh, order intake for our guided revenue.
May, may I also ask you, Huno, because uh, I was quite new to the business still, and uh, my understanding was that, uh, especially for 2012, as we split in four divisions, we found like a special service to the market to read better the size and expectation for the divisions to be guided on the order intake and the, the backlogs part. But um, going forward, we will not do that because that is more according to industry standard. Is that correct? Well, uh, we, uh, uh, of course, the, the more you specify, the, uh, the more fluctuations you have to be prepared for. And therefore, we are uh, uh, most comfortable with the overall outlook uh, for the group as a whole. There may be uh, variances between the, uh, uh, the, the different uh, divisions, but we are very comfortable with our outlook for the group as a whole. Okay, well, why does Ben not have to press star one to ask questions? No, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. uh, we are certain they are not nasty. <laughs> Kenneth Leeling from Danske Bank is online with a question. Um, yes, thank you, Kenneth Leeling here. A um, couple of questions. First of all, uh, how, do you, how do you view the outlook for these large uh, O&M contracts? in 2013. I mean, obviously you signed two in 2012, which was a, a good year. Um, do you feel it'll take a while before you'll be able to sign some again, or no. your view on that? And then, um, just uh, sort of technically, you spend a lot on the ERP system. How will the amortization profile and ongoing cost, when will, when will they start amortizing? How much will it be? Uh, in terms in 2013 and 2014. Thanks. Regarding O&M, uh, as I mentioned, we see indications of a new wave, um, and uh, that's a fact, and it means that we also expect to close uh, uh, O&M contracts uh, in the coming year. Um, uh, we can discuss uh, what is a wave and uh, how many products does that consist of, uh, and I can't uh, answer that. I can just say that, yes, we are in dialogue and uh, even negotiations with specific uh, further O&M contracts. So that, there's a good development here. And uh, on the other part here regarding the ERP, uh, we have been uh, through a phase where we have been building up the ERP solution, which is a total business solution, including the engineering capabilities for an IT support. Uh, that has been uh, to some extent, uh, not internal costs, but uh, mostly external costs, uh, being uh, put to the balance sheet as capitalized uh, investments. In addition, we now go over into an implementation period, but there is still ongoing uh, development also in that period. So there will still be some costs which are put to the balance sheet as capitalized costs and will increase somewhat. What we do is um, that as we start implementing, which we now have started in uh, Valby here in Denmark, as well as Bethlehem in U.S., that is the first in a rollout program, which will go over three to four years. Um, then we start amortizing uh, for the share of the investment, which are being utilized by those entities who start using it. The, and we will amortize over a period of roughly seven years. Uh, that means it will start up now and it will gradually build up. So after three years, it will be at a peak in size and then it will uh, go over a number of years. Um, the exact math is for 2013, I haven't got, but it will be a minor part in 2013 as we are just starting up the implementation in 2013, first and second half. 
Okay. Um, I, I, if I look at your note, I can see that uh, what you call intangible assets under development, um, I mean, it's around 700 million. I was just wondering, can you give us, okay, can you give us an idea about the, the, the peak level of amortization related to this, uh, to this cost program? How much, how much will it cost in total, and therefore how much will, will the annual depreciation then be when it's up and running, uh, or amortization be when it's up and running fully? I cannot give uh, a specific or exact number right now, but um, as we know that uh, the 700 million is not only the ERP cost, there are also some other um, uh, intellectual property assets in there. So, so what we can say is that uh, right now, um, what we report as um, non-recurring costs of this is at the level of uh, 50 to 70 million per year. Um, this is uh, during the period where we are still working and developing the solution. Later, it will be taken over by amortization as we are using the system. And I would guess that in the range between 50 and 100 million, that is like a very rough range. But we cannot give more like exact numbers than that. Okay, no, that's, that's very helpful. Thanks a lot. Um, last question would be on, on the order intake. Obviously, in terms of um, the smaller unannounced orders, it was a relatively... Uh, week quarter, could you comment about um, how you how you see that going forward? Do you feel that the Q4 here was a trough because of well metal prices declining and so forth? And can you already now here in in, in the first quarter see a pickup from that level of of activity? Thanks. Uh, it's uh, difficult uh, to to go into detail with that because uh, we we can't guide on on the first quarter uh, today. I can just say that uh, we always uh, um, warn against uh, uh, taking too many signals from uh, single quarters. You have to see uh, two or three quarters uh, in a row. Um, and what I mentioned stands that basically we see no uh, dramatic changes in the market. Dramatic changes is that no improvement from the Q4 level, or if you could just clarify? Um, uh, that will be clarified uh, by Thomas Schulz in May uh, when he reports the first quarter. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Daniel Patterson from SCB is online with a question. Yes, uh, hello, gentlemen. Uh, Daniel Patterson here with a few questions on capital efficiency. Um, first of all, uh, I think congrats on the very strong cash flow in the fourth quarter. And here, uh, a question regarding working capital. Uh, have you seen any sort of benefit from uh, measures taken internally, or is it mainly external-driven factors like orders and things like that driving the Q4 change? And then on top of that, what, what are your thoughts for working capital on 13? Well, first of all, um, there are some internal as, um, aspects and uh, benefits from this. Because we have uh, put focus on uh, the, the inventory management and uh, as the rise in our networking capital has mostly been within two areas. The one is the account receivables, especially some overdue account receivables, but also um, in uh, inventories for the product companies. Uh, we see that just by starting focusing and a dialogue with the, the product companies, they start holding back and uh, they, they get these, um, these targets. So um, there is a combination of a lot of factors, 
these are embedded in the numbers that we have been showing now already. I don't have like specific breakdown of uh, this effect from other effects, but for sure that is uh, internal um, effects, so you might uh, call it. In addition, we have some obvious effects from uh, when we do acquire businesses. We take over networking capital, especially inventories for those. And um, when we do the purchase price allocation, we have to put up those inventories to full market value, not the regular inventory value. That means that over the next quarters, we are utilizing those products from the stock and we're replacing with the normal uh, priced levels, which are just like the internal calculated value of the inventories. So that is also an effect, which is uh, as we go along with the acquired companies. So that is also an effect. You might say it's an internal. Uh, and it's correct. There are external effects, but it doesn't come by itself uh, to achieve uh, down payments from customers, nor to, to, to collect and do dunning and collect account receivables. So we feel that it has been achieved through hard work from a lot of people around the world. Okay, and uh, any thoughts on 13 uh, working capital? Uh, it's correct that uh, the part of the, uh, the capital employed which is most easy to work with is, uh, of course, the networking capital part. And uh, we have ambitions. We have expressed it through the program, which we call Networking Capital Efficiency Program. And uh, we are working on to continuously control the development of networking capital. What we have said, and what is also in uh, the, the slide package you got here, we, we have said that um, as there will be quite large fluctuations quarter by quarter, not only one quarter, you gotta see several quarters in a row to see a trend, so there will be uh, fluctuations. So, so we have said that we should expect the networking capital to be below a 10% level, that's what we have said with the present business mix. Okay. Um, then following up on capital efficiency, uh, you're announcing a share buyback, uh, of course, which is uh, very good. Um, it, you're writing that the reason for that is mainly the strong cash flow and the lack of acquisitions. So I just want to be clear here. Does this mean that you're not already, say, giving back to shareholders the money you expect to get from the SEMBRIT divestiture? That is correct. Uh, that is correct. We are uh, arguing and uh, explaining the, the, the share buyback now that we had a strong cash flow in the fourth quarter and um, uh, we do not um, uh, say anything regarding the, the separate process. As mentioned before, we are in the process and uh, the only thing we can say there is uh, that uh, within the one year from the time it was announced that we were put for sale that um, something will happen. Um, but uh, now the share buyback program is driven from a strong cash flow from the fourth quarter combined with that we did not do acquisitions in the fourth quarter. Okay, and then just my final question to follow up on this. Uh, you write that you expect considerable cash, free cash flow in 2013. And, of course, if you do generate that and on top of that uh, to get to sell Sembrit, well, then your gearing uh, will be probably closer to zero times EBDA than one time, and of course, well below two times. Uh, does that mean there could be potential for you know another share buyback later in the year, or early next year? That is not for Huno to decide because you will not <laughs> be here. I was just about to say something. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, time will show. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.
<laughs> Klaus Kiel from New Credit Markets is online with a question. Yes, hello, uh, Klaus Kiel with uh, two questions. Um, first of all, if I look at your EBITDA guidance, there is quite a wide range. I think it's between uh, 2.1 billion and uh, 3 billion. Um, so uh, could you try to give us the uh, assumptions for both the high end and the low end or try to indicate yeah, the main swing factors you see in, uh, in 2013? And secondly, uh, we've just been uh, discussing uh, Semprit, uh, but could you give us an update on the uh, divestment process? Thank you. You are absolutely right in your observation. There is a considerable um, uh, variance in our guidance uh, for the actual result. And this is uh, reflecting the reality that uh, there is, uh, as mentioned, a considerable uh, market uncertainty. Uh, we are very confident in the long-term development. We are confident in the underlying demand for our uh, services. But uh, it can't exclude uh, dramatic or at least considerable uh, fluctuations between the quarters. Uh, so that is one swing factor that we have to take into account. The other is that there can be considerable fluctuations as to uh, which of our divisions are seeing most uh, uh, growth. And uh, our final result is very dependent on uh, where we see the growth in our divisions because we do have, uh, as you know, a very different uh, margins in the different divisions. So we try to combine uh, these uh, number of uncertainties into a, a guidance that we feel uh, comfortable with. Uh, and uh, and then, uh, of course, the, the flip side of that is that uh, there's some uncertainty, um, but you'll have to live with that uh, for some time until we see over the next uh, couple of quarters uh, how the market uh, develops. And then uh, I would assume, but it will not be for me to decide, that uh, maybe the range could be narrowed a bit uh, as we get uh, further into the year. The second question from you was regarding Sembrit and the process. And we, we cannot go deep into that because uh, we are in a process. That means we are in interaction with the potential buyers. And uh, that is a fragile process always, as it should be. And uh, because of that, we cannot say more at the present stage. Except that we have uh, all the time we need and we'll uh, ensure that we get the best possible price. So uh, that is our priority number one. Okay, but then maybe another question. Uh, you say that uh, 2013 will be a trough year for, uh, for the uh, cement margins. Um, but exactly how certain are you about that? Um, can you actually see that in the backlog for 2014 that margins will pick up, or is it based on a hope that prices eventually will go up in the cement market? It is based on the indications and the recent development over the last couple of quarters that uh, the indicators are pointing in the right direction. There are openings in uh, uh, many uh, local parts of the market, and we see opportunities of getting uh, better prices as well. So uh, it is uh, based on our historical reading of the market that we feel comfortable that we are. Uh, it is moving in the right direction, and this will be uh, uh, translated into our uh, P&L in 2014. Okay. Thank you very much. Rachel Ahmad from Handelsbanken is online with a question. Yes, uh, Faisal Ahmed uh, from Handelsbanken with a couple of questions. Uh, firstly, regarding one of costs, uh, you're taking roughly 200 million in, in, uh, in 
2013. Um, I mean, to what extent is this really one-off costs, and uh, to what extent should we expect this kind of cost level to continue beyond 2013? That, that's my first question. Yes, um, as we mentioned, there are the mainly two elements of these uh, costs. The first part is uh, the implementation of an ERP solution. And I'm uh, happy to realize that we won't uh, do this uh, the whole year, whole life through. It will be for a period of years. But that means that they are non-recurring in nature. It means over the integration period, we will have it, then it's over. So, but that will be for a number of years still. And uh, we estimate uh, three, three and a half, four years there will be. Uh, the other part here, which is integration costs, which is the largest part we're talking about for 2012, for 13, uh, those are linked to whether we do acquisitions or not. And uh, right now we have taken a slowdown in acquisitions. And that means they will gradually go down. But definitely integration costs, they are a one-off by nature, and it consists over a period of one to two years after we made acquisitions. Very helpful. Uh, my next question relates to your uh, revenue guidance. When I look at uh, your backlog cover, then uh, you roughly have 55 to 60 percent uh, cover for uh, 2000 and, uh, 2013 based on your current backlog. And when I look at the same point last year, it was roughly 65 to 70 percent. I mean, are you being more aggressive regarding order intake for, for 2013 compared to what you were back in 2012? And, and if, if yes, what is the reason for that? No, uh, we have not. Uh, we've not become more aggressive. Uh, we base uh, our guidance on on the same procedure, uh, and and the key to this is, uh, as I mentioned, the bottom-up budget uh, from starting with all the individual uh, sales units in in all divisions, and we pile that up to the to the final budget, and then we we uh, take some precautions, uh, have some reserves in in what we announce, and, and we've done that uh, in exactly the same way as we we uh, have done in previous years. So so there's no change uh, in, in the way we do it. Uh, if you don't uh, see um, uh, a clear pattern, uh, it could be because uh, we expect more growth in the uh, service part. And as mentioned, these are activities that will uh, not necessarily appear in the uh, backlog at all, uh, but will often go uh, straight into the P&L. So that is uh, part of the explanation. And not just um, uh, in CS, uh, uh, spare parts and so on, day-to-day uh, -day services. Also in the other divisions, there can be a shift between major products that are booked for a longer period and um, shorter-term uh, products uh, that are sold and executed maybe within a period of three to six months. And, uh, of course, the totality of that is what uh, builds up the, the budget and eventually the guidance. So it's not because we have changed uh, sort of our aggressiveness or, or the way we guide uh, in general. Okay. Okay, just a, a follow-up um, question on that, Uno. Uh, I mean, w would it be fair to say that, that your uh, revenue guidance implies oriented growth uh, on the equipment side also? Can I have that again? The, you were talking about the, uh, your revenue, the guidance. revenue guidance for the group. Right. Does, that, does that imply implicitly that uh, your 
equipment orders grow compared to 2012. No, I, I, that they are at a higher level. No, you can't. Uh, you can't uh, uh, interpret necessarily that way. As I say, it's a it's a combination of of a number of many units, units and and a different uh, mix of different types of products. So that would uh, be too simplified a conclusion to draw. But, but I would guess that it will help in your um, modeling here uh, to remember that we made quite a lot of acquisitions in 2012, and as I said earlier. Um, for instance, Ludovici and some of the other entities, they were having a quite high portion, much higher than we traditionally have had in uh, the aftermarket business, and also what they call consumables and also spare parts, uh, a very large part of the business. And we have only for 2012 had a half year of this in, so we will get in the full year effect. And we acquired businesses for around $3 billion or more, and uh, of course they are carrying... Uh, in then also an element of uh, this going over the P&L. Okay, perfect. Just uh, two final uh, quick questions. Uh, firstly, regarding seasonality, I mean, uh, how, how should we be thinking about um, earnings seasonality in, in 2013? Uh, you normally have quite a soft Q1 or a small Q1. Uh, is that the same? Um, should that play out the same way? In 2013, and, uh, and the, the second question, it really relates to acquisitions. I mean, should we interpret uh, your communication in, in the manner that we shouldn't expect any bolt-on acquisitions in uh, in 13? Uh, the first question regarding the seasonality, uh, the, the uh, realistic expectation is that you'll see the same pattern as we've seen uh, in, in previous years. So yes, uh, traditionally a, a, a soft start and then uh, picking up and that's uh, uh, related to some pattern uh, with our customers. Regarding the acquisitions, uh, what we mentioned is that uh, uh, we expect uh, total investments uh, uh, that are a combination of organic and potential small acquisitions of uh, around one billion. So that is uh, indicating uh, to you uh, the level. So we are not saying it, there could not be uh, any acquisitions, but uh, it is not very likely. And if so, they will probably be small. Okay. Thank you. Perfect. Aaron Edison from Goldman Sachs is online with a question. Yes, hi there. Good morning. It's Aaron Edison here from Goldman Sachs. Um, two questions, if I may. Uh, the first one was uh, just to follow up um, and clarify a bit on, on this capital allocation. Uh, so first of all, um, obviously very encouraging to see see a disciplined return of cash uh, to shareholders when you when you see fit. Uh, and um, I, I was wondering if I could take this opportunity to ask you a, a last question as a departing CEO maybe. Uh, a lot of cap goods companies have guidance of max leverage, uh, but very few has of minimum, and the ones that do generally don't stick to it. Um, is, is it, could we now expect with your new ROSI target and, and this little indication that you're willing to buy back shares uh, as an indication that we sh should, uh, we could count on, on FLS to run with a fairly efficient balance sheet of call it one times net debt to EBITDA if you don't see any big acquisitions on the horizons you, you would consider that uh, a good level to, to buy back shares or pay specials. So that's my first question. My second question was actually uh, regarding Ludovici, and apologies if I've missed something about it, but I haven't really heard anything about it 
in the call uh, or in the release. So could you let us know roughly what uh, they, they contributed with on the EBIT line for the second half of 12 pre, pre-PPA and other uh, integration costs and what you expect for, for 13 from that acquisition relative to your sort of guidance when you bought it? Thank you. Yes. Uh, I will start with the Ludovici because uh, the second question will then, uh, as you said, uh, I'll be leaving, but I'll start out answering and uh, I think uh, Ben will conclude on it. But uh, regarding Ludovici, yes, it's been in every way a very positive uh, experience for us. Uh, we had a due diligence that showed uh, no um, deviations, no negative surprises whatsoever. And after having um, uh, closed the deal on 3rd July, uh, we have had a very positive uh, cooperation uh, on the integration over the uh, following two quarters. Uh, we see uh, not just uh, FSMED uh, pushing, we see to a very large degree Ludovici, former Ludovici uh, employees pulling uh, to become integrated in our global setup to start utilizing uh, economy of scale in sourcing to start using our global footprint and not just uh, work out of uh, Australia. And we have demonstrated um, uh, signs of that uh, even uh, in a uh, coal market that is uh, slightly depressed. We already at the beginning of this year uh, announced a, a huge uh, coal order, partly uh, supported and thanks to, to products from Ludovici. So I can just say that the overall picture, and we just had an update uh, for our board yesterday with the Ludovici acquisition and the integration, and everything is running very well and uh, better and faster uh, than planned. So we have uh, no hesitation that we are going to obtain the sales synergies that uh, were part of our business plan when we acquired it. Yes, it's a fact that um, uh, the coal market uh, became slightly depressed uh, over the uh, last couple of quarters, and that is part of our focus uh, for Ludovici. But then again, it's not been enough to in any way disturb the uh, the business uh, case or the business plans. And and we are uh, very happy today that we did acquire Ludovici. It will give us a great strength in not just the coal, but also the iron ore industry and partly uh, also into even copper where we use some of their products. So it's, uh, it's very good. Regarding uh, our leverage, uh, I can confirm that um, we are focusing much more on Capital efficiency, we are much more focused on our balance sheet than we've been over the last couple of years where we have primarily been focusing on uh, margins and and successfully so. We will allow ourselves to say with stable and solid margins, uh, but uh, that is not enough. And now we are increasing our focus on on the other side of the equation. So, yes, this is uh, only the uh, beginning. You'll hear much more about that, and we'll keep uh, increasing the efficiency, and that, I think, is the task for Ben. So, yeah, and I don't think we should uh, say anything more about uh, whether we regularly will uh, do share buybacks. It is an expression that it is some extraordinary we're doing now, uh, as it is not being dividend out as ordinary dividend. And um, it is not expressed from our side that we have called off acquisitions for the future. We have made the slowdown because we are focusing now on executing and consolidating the businesses. As we have made some big mouthfuls during 2012, which is important that we take out the synergies and benefits. And at all time, um, it is a part of our capital efficiency program to be even more cautious about seeing the balance between 
keeping the cash, investing or paying back. So that is a part of a, a capital efficiency program. But I can't say more than that right now. Okay, thank you. If, if I could follow up just quickly on Ludovici, because I guess um, as an analyst, we're presented with quite a lot of detail uh, at time of acquisition when we're trying to evaluate um, a deal, but, but uh, it tends to be less information coming afterwards. So I was just hoping if there was any chance we can get any rough estimate of, of I, I believe you gave us 29 million Aussie dollars for 2011 EBITDA. Do you have any idea what that number would have approximately been in 2012? Um, and I appreciate that the coal market has been weak, so I'm not disregarding that, but just to be able to follow what was a quite large acquisition for, for FLS. A very fair uh, question and comment, and your observation is right. Uh, yes, uh, we and probably others are probably a bit more open in the uh, acquisition phase than, than afterwards. For good reasons, uh, as you probably know, uh, there were competitors uh, very eager uh, to secure uh, Ludovici as well which we take as a positive sign. But it also means that we are cautious as to what we disclose afterwards because there may be other opportunities in the future and we do not want to help the competitors in such a situation. What I can say, just to give you a bit more flavor on it, that Ludovici was roughly more than half, 55, maybe 60% services and aftermarket and that has been uh, transferred into our customer service division. And this is all progressing uh, well and completely as planned. The other part is the capital business, which is uh, today part of uh, mineral processing. And this is where we have uh, felt the uh, uh, temporary uh, depression of the coal market. And I can say that uh, it's not a secret. We have not had any major uh, coal products are uh, primarily for Ludovici or these uh, last two quarters. Um, uh, so, so yes, uh, it's a, uh, that's the difference between the capital and, and the service part of it. And that's uh, as much as I can go into detail. Uh, I can't uh, quantify it for you. But um, just to say that this is actually a very positive situation because it means that we are Today, satisfied with the follow-up on our business case, and that is in a situation where the coal market is depressed. Think of what happens when the coal market picks up again. And we have no uh, doubt that it will. It will continue to be the biggest uh, source for energy in the world for at least a couple of generations. And we'll be there as the market leader when it starts picking up. But if we look at the service margins, then, which, which went down quite a bit, I guess, in the in 2012 versus 11 and also in the second half versus the first half. Um, but should we roughly uh, expect the sort of non-Ludovici part of the service bit to have been running approximately at the same run rate as 11 and then at the dilution, so to speak, but obviously the increased earnings is a consequence of Ludovici primarily or are there sort of other things driving the service margins down in 12, if we look in the second half specifically maybe. We'll see if Ben can give you another angle to that. 
Okay. Well, I think it's important to understand the margin development for customer service in 2012 because, as you're right, as you say, that the expectation for aftermarket business is that it's more stable, that it has a solid margins all the time, expressed in a level of, let's say, 15%, for instance. And uh, looking at customer service for 2012, uh, we saw for... Uh, the first three quarters of uh, 2012, because I carry the numbers in my head here, um, we saw that the acquisition activities and the one-off related costs just for that division counted for a two percentage point at the end of Q3. And uh, I, uh, that means that on top of what we had as a margin in Q3, we were very close to 15%. For the full year, we, we have the same situation where we have had uh, both trans- transaction costs and integration costs, especially uh, uh, being accounted for in the customer service division. In addition, we have had the divisions part of uh, ERP integrations and so on. So in total, we have uh, one-off related costs in that division. Just the transaction-related part is around one percentage point, and we have some others. So it's a one and a half, one point seven percentage point, something like that, on full year. Uh, that means that um, you are very close to like a 15% also for the full year for 2012. So, so um, I think the starting point for your question is uh, in a way a little bit away because of this information. It's a quite stable and a quite solid margins in the customer service. And it was not related to like diluted by, um, by uh, uh, Ludovici acquisition as such. It had effect of transaction costs and integration costs. And in addition, the, the costs of goods sold were, uh, were the, the cost of goods sold um, were higher because we had this uh, p- purchase price allocations in the beginning. So the first half year of uh, Ludovici, of course, is uh, having a lower margin because we are utilizing the, the, the products in stock, which are acquired to a high, high price, uh, the full market price. That's perfect. Thank you very much. Johannes Grunfilius from ABG is online with a question. Yes, uh, hello there. It's Johannes. Uh, most of my questions have been answered, but uh, can you give us a little bit more color on the share buyback, how you will, will do that, uh, uh, when you can technically start, and over which period you will expect to buy back shares? Thanks. Yes. Um, first of all, um, what we do today is that we are announcing the plan. We are not introducing the program as such because there are rules we have to adhere to and that there is um, rules both over the stock exchange and there are also these EU regulation rules. So we now, from now on until uh, the General Assembly, we're doing preparing and we are preparing for doing this program. But the decision to make it, that will be made after the General Assembly. And that is a decision to be made by the board of directors, um, not a decision as such in the General Assembly. Um, and um, when we do the decision, by that time we have prepared ourselves for running this as a safe harbor program, which means we will engage a, a manager, a bank, uh, who is uh, doing this share buyback on behalf of us. And uh, we are not allowed to do larger purchases on a daily basis than 25% of uh, the average trade over a certain period backwards. That means it will take time to do to buy shares and a program of uh, more than half a billion that we are doing now. So I would um, roughly say two, three months is uh, like a a good estimate over the period. But that is not up to us to decide because that is the bank which we are engaging. 
That's the whole thing. We are not deciding on that. That is the bank for getting the engagement. Okay. But uh, we should interpret this as, as a, I mean, more. It's, it will be more formalia with the, uh, with the approval of the, uh, of the share buyback program. Yes, that's right. But uh, formally, yeah. this is a plan announced today because there are formalities that we have to stick to. Correct. Correct. Um, and also, looking at the, at the market again, I know there's been so many questions about it, but, but I mean, you as, as well as many of your competitors are showing a big decline here year over year in, in uh, orders for equipment. I was wondering, has that impacted the price at all, or what's your view on that? The price of? Yeah, I mean, I, I meant um, the pricing of the project as, as, as such or the equipment. Uh, have, do, do, you, do you sense any, any pressure on the price for, from your clients, given that there is less activity now compared to previous quarters? Yes. Let me try to, to answer that uh, by saying that there are differences between the different divisions. The, uh, the most, uh, uh, the least exposed uh, to price uh, variances or variances in margin is our our customer services, which is uh, again a stable business, uh, also margin-wise. We don't see uh, major fluctuations there. Um, then, uh, in the uh, minerals processing, there is some effect, there's some cyclicality, and that's what uh, I mentioned uh, as a reason why we see a, a slight uh, reduction in the margin for the coming year. And here, uh, the, the pattern has been that, of course, uh, when we hit the crisis, the margins came down, and then they started uh, normalizing a bit afterwards. So, and that's where we've probably been for the last uh, four or five quarters or so, uh, in the sense that we are at a level that is better uh, than uh, during the, uh, the heat of the crisis, but they are not back yet to the level uh, before the crisis. That is uh, as precise as I can be in, in mineral processing. Uh, in cement, um, we have the, the, uh, the local um, aspect, um, and the, but generally, of course, uh, uh, the pattern is that we had the, the huge margins uh, before crisis, a uh, uh, considerable drop during and then we've stayed low uh, for a couple of years, and now we see indications uh, that um, uh, there are improvements uh, in certain uh, local areas of the market, and, and we're confident that we'll see this uh, uh, improving uh, throughout uh, 2013. Material handling is a, a more uh, special case. As I said, there's been a bit weakening uh, in that market, and we have especially been very cautious. Uh, so whatever we take in, to material handling at present uh, are at uh, what we consider satisfying uh, margins, but uh, we have accepted uh, a temporary drop in the order intake. I hope that clarifies. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Johan Eliasson from Shuru is online with a question. <clears throat> yeah, hi, this is Johan Eliasson Shuru. Um, just a, a few questions. You talked about uh, um, capital tie-up here, and part of that is, is related to prepayments uh, on your uh, on your contracts. Um, and, and you have previously been saying that you want to sort of <coughs> uh, take the model from the cement industry with, with a high degree of prepayments into the, the mining-related businesses. 
but uh, it's obviously a slow process. Could you just give an update on sort of how the uh, prepayment structure now looks if you sort of compare cement and the mining-related businesses and then also take into the effect from the service contracts these days? Yes. Um, if we start with the uh, service uh, contracts, um, the... Um, uh, on the operation and maintenance contract, we have a down payment. But uh, on the very short-term supplies of spares and uh, other components, uh, we usually don't have any down payment. So there's a considerable portion of the uh, service division uh, where we don't have pay, uh, prepayments. Only if they do upgrade products, maybe, uh, they, then it becomes more similar to the capital business. Cement continues to be the, uh, the higher level. Um, it came down uh, slightly during the crisis, maybe from 25 to 20, uh, something like that, uh, or from 20 to, to 15. But the variation is still uh, around about that 15 to, to 25 percent, maybe. Um, so fairly uh, normalized uh, pattern. The most interesting uh, part is the uh, capital products in, in minerals. Well, actually, if we go back six, seven years ago, uh, the tradition was practically to have no down payments uh, for whatever reason. And, and we um, started out trying to influence that, and we successfully did, uh, to the extent that today we, we uh, normally get uh, down payments uh, on all minerals products as well, but to a smaller degree than in cement. And it may be uh, 50, uh, 5, 10, at best uh, 15% uh, down payment. So there's quite some variation within each of the areas. Uh, and what we are then specifically working at is try to improve uh, the uh, prepayments in the minerals products. And, and we see uh, some progress there, but uh, as you also said, it's, uh, it's a slow process. It's, uh, however, part of the improvements that we see are increase in, in down payments, maybe partly because uh, we get better terms, partly because of fluctuations and, and we got uh, more contracts in the quarter. Yeah, and, and if you take this operation and maintenance contract, how does the down payment look like? Is it like a, a year's revenue that you get ahead uh, for, for one of these big contracts? or? Uh, no, it's, uh, it's typically uh, uh, less than that. It is uh, reflecting whatever mobilization uh, cost in principle that we may have. We uh, need to recruit... Uh, maybe 250 people, we need to train them for half a year. Uh, that sort of cost um, uh, will be uh, covered by a down payment uh, from the customer. So it reflects our, uh, our cash flow. So the, uh, the, it's the same pattern as a cement uh, capital product that we have a positive cash flow on an O&M contract uh, from, from day one, but we are not sitting on a, a whole year's uh, uh, revenue. And then uh, historically you also talked about the, uh, the sort of market development uh, specifically in, in the cement industry, but could you say something about what's happening on, on the competitive side, cement and, and minerals? Yes. Uh, the uh, competitive pattern is in cement is uh, practically unchanged uh, from a year back or so. Uh, our major competitor is uh, Sinoma out of uh, China. And then we have uh, our two traditional uh, Western competitors that are somewhat smaller than uh, Sanoma and ourselves. We believe market shares are practically unchanged. They become more and more difficult uh, to measure, as I mentioned earlier. But 
uh, our uh, impression is that they are basically unchanged. We've not seen any new entrants. Uh, we have not seen any change in the pattern or um, uh, any increased pressure or, or that sort. Uh, on the contrary, we see some openings in the market uh, that I mentioned. So no change in the competitive pattern in cement. In minerals, um, there are uh, variations. In uh, mineral processing, uh, we have some very strong positions, uh, for instance, in copper and gold being the market leaders, uh, and it does uh, allow sometimes for a, a premium uh, on, the, on the margins. Uh, there we have also uh, a sort of uh, fixed uh, pattern. We have uh, uh, two or three uh, uh, strong, uh, respected uh, Scandinavian competitors, um, and then we have, within niches, we have a, a number of uh, smaller uh, globally. In uh, material handling, uh, there are uh, some uh, niche players. Uh, there are uh, smaller, uh, also uh, Asian uh, competitors. And um, the, uh, the, the difference from mineral processing is that the content, there's more steel content and less technology in material handling and therefore uh, slightly lower Martins also. So that is roughly the competitive pattern as we see it today. But you haven't seen any uh, Chinese player in the um, minerals processing or materials handling uh, outside of China to any significant no, degree? No, not any, uh, any uh, significant. Uh, uh, to my knowledge, there's only one uh, large uh, Chinese uh, player uh, that, that we has been a supplier uh, of ours uh, for many years, uh, the uh, Citic uh, machine factory. Uh, they they have um, started selling some uh, mills uh, on their own, and in I think one product in Latin America and one in Australia. But to my knowledge, that is the only one. Then there are a number of smaller um, uh, competitors uh, with uh, not very advanced technology, but uh, in general. In mineral processing, we don't see Chinese competitors yet, but uh, five years from now, probably. Okay, thank you very much. Welcome. Daniel Patterson from SCB, Sunline, with a question. Uh, yes, hello uh, again. I just have one follow-up question regarding your guidance for 13. Um, your margin guidance is 8 to 10%. If I just do a little bit of math and, and take sort of the low end point of all your revenue for the divisions and also the low end of all the uh, EBIT margins for all the divisions and assume a billion in uh, eliminations, I get a uh, revenue, uh, sorry, a margin of 8.2%. So my, uh, my sort of even taking this sum of all fears approach. So my question is, what will make the margin go to the 8%. I mean, what's the major risk when you're looking at 2013? Or are you just being cautious? We try generally to be cautious uh, wherever we can. And uh, as I uh, tried to explain earlier, the, the guidance is a combination of a lot of contributions uh, built up, uh, bottom up. And uh, therefore, uh, there can be uh, uh, many different combinations of, of uh, variations. Uh, it's a rather complicated uh, pattern. But uh, I appreciate that we've been uh, doing a similar math as, as you have, and, and we reached a, a similar conclusion also. So there is no one big risk luring, you know, write-downs or something? Not to our knowledge today, no. Okay. Thank you very much.
Fish, Lamarck from Hens Bank, New Sundine, with a question. Uh, yes, that's Lamarck here. Just, with, uh, just a follow-up question here. It's really relating to uh, to minerals processing. Uh, when I look at uh, cement, then you're saying that cement will have trough margins this year, and this trough margin is really um, coming coming filtering through after a significant uh, a significant number of years after the market collapsed. Um, how should we be thinking about mineral processing margins in, in 2013? Is that also a trough year, or do we still have a, a trough year ahead of us? To our best knowledge, it will be a, a trough year. Uh, it will depend, uh, the, the margins in 14 will depend to a high degree on the uh, uh, market development in 2014. As you mentioned, the uh, execution, the average execution time in, in mineral processing is uh, slightly uh, smaller in mineral processing than it is in uh, cement. So, yes, they are executing uh, some uh, contract from the crisis period uh, this coming year, but uh, they will also sooner uh, be exposed to any changes in the market and uh, the book-to-bill will have a higher influence in in uh, uh, mineral processing than it will in cement. So the, the margins in mineral processing in 14 will, to some extent, depend upon the uh, market development in 13. Okay. And the second question uh, relates to your long-term margin guidance. You've gui- your guided uh, 10 to 13 percent um, in EBITDA margin guidance, and, and still, I mean, for, for this year, you're saying 8 to 10% in EBITDA margins. I mean, how, how should we really uh, compare this uh, level of margin guidance with your long, long-term margin guidance? What did you miss regarding trough margins when you, when you originally set your targets? The, uh, the primary answer to that is, of course, material handling, uh, where we have... Uh, uh, one division uh, uh, not delivering uh, very much uh, to the group uh, for, a, for a year. And, of course, when we, uh, when we uh, developed our long-term targets, we considered that one, maybe partly two divisions could go through the bottom of the cycle uh, at the same time, and that is what's happening uh, exactly this year. Uh, for cement, definitely trough, and, and partly for uh, mineral processing as well. What we did not calculate and expect was uh, to have a division running into the unforeseen problems that we have experienced in material handling, and that is uh, why we can't guarantee to, to meet our long-term guidance this year, or okay, long-term target, I should say. It's not a guidance as such. Okay, perfect. Thank you. We have no further questions from the phone at this time. Thank you. Then we thank you for today.